everybody. Welcome to the Hallmarkies podcast. We're really excited today. We have one of the friends of the podcast on for a special bonus episode that we're doing. And I'm film critic Rachel Wagner and I have my favorite film critic also here. Alonzo Duralde is here on the podcast and thank you so much for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. So have you had a, a, a good holiday season? It's been a little nuts, you know. Uh, this was uh, this was one of those late Thanksgiving years that really just kind of like cuts into your season. Uh, and you know, of course, I've also learned the hard way: if you want to have a relaxing December, don't write a book about Christmas movies. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you had uh, you had Christmas Con and the Christmas Land Convention. And, oh yeah, uh, and I've been talking to every podcast that will have me, so you know. Right. <laughs> Well, and yeah, obviously Hallmark hasn't been ex- super helpful in reducing our work. Oh, in indeed many ways. not. Well, <laughs> although they, they did shave it down to 39 movies, apparently, without telling anybody. So. I know. So bizarre. So bizarre. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but how do you feel, the, as far as the movies that we've seen, how do you feel like the season has been for Hallmark and then just kind of Christmas movies in general do you feel like it's been better than last year or or not as good or well I mean they're you know they're really blasting us with material this year I mean uh, everybody in general I think you know the Hallmark formula has worked out so well that other people are trying to kind of hop on that bandwagon and I think even Hallmark is having a hard time keeping up with its own level of success um yeah I don't know I, I I it's hard for me to to know if the movies aren't as good this year, or if I'm just getting a little fried on the formula. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I've seen one of my favorite ones ever this year, which was Two Turtle Doves. Yeah. Um, that felt like a movie that I actually wanted to, to traffic in human emotion and deeper feelings than we usually get from these movies. But for the most part, they just feel like, you know, they're kind of, the, 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 the formula is starting to wear a little thin, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. I... I think we got one really funny one and one really touching one. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, others that I really liked, but I feel like across the board, almost everybody likes Two Turtle Doves and uh, and um, uh, the um, Merry Christmas movie one. Uh, which one was that? The um, the up one. Uh, my brain. Oh, oh, Christmas movie, Christmas. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So. Yeah, and- I, you know, like I, I think, uh, I think there's some interesting stuff coming out of Netflix. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think some of the own ones were okay. Like uh, I, I thought the one with uh, uh, Gabri- uh not Gabriel, um, Kimberly Elise. Uh, Kimberly Elise, thank yeah. you. Yes, I thought that was pretty charming. Um, you know, yeah, the- their their first one was rough. Yes, but then <laughs> they were better. <laughs> yeah, the other, the other two, two were were definitely better. Yeah, so like, I mean, I, I'm glad there's there that more people are taking a stab at it. Um, obviously, I think when you've got Owen and BET in the mix, it means we're definitely going to get more leads of color, which is great. Yeah. Um, you know, we're seeing Lifetime making little tentative, like, hey, here's a B couple who are like two dudes who are married, and they're going to get the 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 the, mm-hmm. the the fleeting kiss at the end of the movie. You know, like, right? These are these are you know, great. Welcome to 1995, but I'll take it, you know. <laughs> right. Um, 
And then yeah. obviously, you know, the this past weekend's uh, Hallmark kerfuffle, I think, is really going to sort of open up the conversation about yeah. what are we showing in these movies, who are we including, and what stories are we telling. So I'm mm-hmm. very curious to see where all that goes. Yeah, me too. It's gonna be it's gonna be an adventure. It's a Hallmark podcaster. Uh, and of course, I loved Claws this yes. year. It's one of my favorite movies of the whole year. I just absolutely loved it. Yeah, I, I, there's a lot that I liked about it. I, yeah. I you know, I, I, you're you're a little more into it than me, but uh, yeah, I, I for I totally endorse this kind of thing. If, if Netflix is going to get into this, I, I liked Let It Snow quite a bit too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's nice that that they're making stuff for for younger uh, for younger people. These movies have always been so for you know we joke with our co-host amy that there's, mm-hmm. there's never any anything for young college college kids like her so that was yeah. fun for them and uh i actually liked the turkey drop movie i thought it was funny <laughs> but, uh, oh I, I haven't seen it yet oh you didn't see it yeah cheryl Hines is you know she's super funny oh she's so. great she yeah, makes- no, you're right. I think the Hallmark is so sort of targeted in that demographic where it's always like early. They seem to always sort of be in their early 30s, you know. <laughs> and then, of yeah. course, the, the women playing their mothers are 45. Right, yeah. Um, you know, but, but yeah, they, they, they don't sort of go after like, here's a movie that's about like, you know, a widowed grandmother finding love again. Or here's a movie yeah. about like a college sophomore who just broke up. Yeah boyfriend before the holidays like yeah there's there are different ways to go with this stuff and so um if more people are making them then i think we're gonna see more people kind of tweaking Mm -hmm. the formula and tweaking the idea of what these movies can be and and i hope that hallmark doesn't get left behind i hope they realize that they have to meet the challenge of other folks in in all the in all the stripes of demographic that they're covering Mm -hmm. i think so yeah and i did i watched the feast of seven fishes off your recommendation and that was really fun. If people don't want to not want to break from the saccharine versions mm. of Christmas movies, I think it's it's a good choice. Not that it's like super raunchy or any any no, in that no. way at all. It, it's but it's very, just a it, different style. Absolutely, yeah. It's a it's a very kind of charming indie comedy that also yeah. happens to be a, a fun Christmas movie. Yeah, I I think so. So, yeah, it, that's really interesting. It's it's a uh, we're almost we're almost done as of the recording of this podcast (laughs) almost done i'm so happy but uh but that's not why we're here today (laughs) you yes so we are here to talk about the new version of little women that's opening on christmas day and i i thought it would be fun to rank the four different versions of little women and to talk about it uh and uh was this a novel that you read growing up at all or was something that I've actually, I've actually still never read it. I've seen oh, all okay. these movie versions of it and I, I have it on my phone now and I've started it. Uh, but I have not gotten all the way through, but I, I kind of feel like it, it's, it's, it's weird. Like if you watch enough Christmas carols, you pretty much get everything that's in the story, you know, like this version will have, you know, ignorance yeah. and want in it and that version will have like the people in the lighthouse like every bit of the book uh, somebody eventually brings it to the screen so yeah. um, and tell me if i'm wrong but i kind of feel like the, at some point all of the the nuggets that occur in the novel somebody has put into a movie right yeah i think so i think that there's that there's less sort of creative interpretation mm-hmm. uh with this compared to christmas carol like there's way more variety sure. uh in christmas carol but 
but yeah, I mean, it, this was a, I have to admit, I get a little nitpicky when it comes to, excuse <coughs> me. I, I get a little nitpicky when it comes to Little Women because it's really an uh, important book for me because mm. it was the first book that I was ever like super proud of finishing. Like oh. I read this big book. Look at this. It's so got exciting. chapters. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and just being so connected to this, the story of the sisters. And, and uh, I had, um, well, growing, growing up, my parents kind of, kind of joked that, my parents wanted two batches. <laughs> that yeah. you went in, you burn the first batch, then you try again <laughs> because there's sort of two groups of us. And interesting. Um, but as a so as a little girl, I just had one sister, mm-hmm. and then as a teenager, I en- ended up, and then now I have three sisters. Ah. So it's kind of unique. But anyway, I I I still was very very close with my sister, and so I definitely uh, related to. Uh, to the sisters and uh and of course i think everybody wants to be joe when you're reading the book you're like i'm totally joe right (laughs) you don't want to be any of the other ones (laughs) and uh so i yeah i can get a little nitpicky when it comes to this story because i just love it and i was curious from your perspective why do you think that this is one of the stories that just remains relevant in uh, in every era it seems like since it's been published well, it's funny. I, I was just watching. Uh, they they were showing the the thirty three version on uh, TCM, and they introed it with uh, Alicia Malone talking to Greta Gerwig, who wrote and directed the the one that, that we're talking about, the mm-hmm. that's coming out on Christmas. And Greta Gerwig talked about how, like, you know, there's this ongoing thing of the the marches feeling sort of frustrated by what society the society they're living in allows women to do or to be or to think or to say. And I think that, sadly, that is something that hasn't gone away. I think that every generation of women in this country sort of feels like they are being held back because of decorum and societal expectations and, you know, institutional sexism and that kind of stuff. And so, uh, you know, I think that, you know, even this is a book that is set in the late 19th century, if you are a, a woman with opinions or a woman who wants to, you know, be creative or, you know, like all these sort of mm-hmm. things, these characters still are completely speaking your language and are, you know, you can empathize with them and, and see how it applies to yourself. I mean, again, this is, I'm a dude, I, the, I'm, I'm, it's an outside take, but that's sort of, I, I think that was something that Greta Gerwig pointed out. And I think that it, it totally makes sense. Yeah. I mean, and I think that uh, we all, have well not we don't all have siblings obviously but we all have families and so you can you can uh relate to sort of the dynamic of it's the sort of day-to-day life of these in many ways it's sort of an idealized uh version of family life and uh and particularly i think we'll talk about marmy but i think that marmy is like the perfect mother Sure, yeah, you know, and, <laughs> but, but you're right. The sisters have each other's back, you know, and and I think that there is that they're getting through this together. They're getting through mm-hmm. this tough time of the war and their father's absence, and you know their relative poverty and all that stuff because they are there for each other. And so that's something that's really appealing and cozy for a reader. And I think also because the sisters are so different, even though yeah, we all might think about think of ourselves as the Joe, like. Uh, 
we've all got a little bit of all of them yeah. in us. And, and I think, you know, if you're being honest with yourself, you can be like, well, I guess really I'm more of a Meg or I'm, I'm kind of an Amy sometimes, right. you, know I mean? you know? Yeah. Well, and also I do think you kind of, uh, you probably, at least as a little girl, I was probably sort of thinking, oh, well, cause my, my sister's name is, is Meg. And, oh, you know, so, but you know, you think, oh, she's being like Amy. She's being like, uh, <laughs> you know, she's being unreasonable. How could she do that? And, <laughs> well, yeah. and, and Beth, the whole Beth character is so, uh, is, is such a classic kind of tragic. Right character when you're when you there's a lot of classic melodrama kind of in her character yeah she's the little Nell of this novel Mm -hmm. you know like she's just there to die and so it's like you know she's she's the she's the most noble and the kindest and the you know like she yeah there there are there are no flaws for her she's you know she's just there to be saintly and then expire yeah (laughs) and and, I mean and I remember as a little little girl just crying Uh. this was the saddest thing to ever happen <laughs> uh, and it's interesting because when you think about uh Louisa Malcott's uh era mm-hmm. when she was writing you think of compared to uh your you know kind of your um your Dickens and your other kind of writers at the time like I mean I was a little bit later but still um <clears throat> it, it like his I mean I love obviously I love Christmas Carol I love Dickens many of others his novels but his women tend to be uh not the best <laughs> right yes, and, and, <laughs> yes. Yeah, no uh, there there weren't a lot of women writing in that at that point and and you're right I think I think a lot of there weren't a lot of female characters to take seriously and I think that's why the book had such an immediate sensation among you know I, there's that whole story about the publisher didn't think much of it but then his daughters all devoured it and wanted to know what happened next you know mm. and I think for you know obviously times are different and there are a lot of different sort of role models and characters to look to but you know these are women who are making the most of what their opportunities are in this you know specific era and they i think allow the part of the familial bond is they are able to be the most themselves with each other so like even when they're sort of scolding joe for being a tomboy or you know getting on amy for putting on airs or whatever there is this ultimate feeling of like I can be the person I am in front of the three of you and it's okay and mm-hmm. I may have to like switch it up when I go out in the world I may have to tone it down you know in 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 school or in church or in other sort of societal settings but here at home you know we can put our plates on in the living room and we can like call each other out for our faults but knowing that at the end of the day you know we love each other and we are there to take care of each other mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, let's talk about the first version that we're, there's other versions. There's a silent movie version. There's, but we just picked four (laughs) that we wanted to talk about. And so we're going to start with the 1933 version. Yes. Uh, So this is directed by George Cukor and Mm -hmm. uh, it stars Catherine Hepburn as Joe. And, and then it has, Joan Bennett as Amy and did you know that she was actually pregnant the whole time this movie was being made? Oh my gosh I didn't but I guess those dresses are good for something. <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, and uh and then Francis D as Meg and uh Jean Parker as Beth and I the one thing I will fault all of these movies on is I really wish that we could have 
a version of Little Women that's actually starring little women like that's not starring 20 year olds like it would be, i think it would be nice uh i mean you could say that about a lot of teenage movies of course but i think sure. that would be cool if one day we get like a true well i i think that, you, that that then forces you to do what they do with amy in the 94 version not to yeah. get too far ahead where you have to you'd have to double cast everybody because yeah, that's fair they, they do transition from like teenage to early adulthood Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you're right. That would be an interesting approach, but I think you, sometimes you lose something. Uh, you know, there are cases I think where you've got like two actresses who sort of seamlessly give one performance, you know, um, I don't know if you've seen the Irishman yet, but, uh, uh-huh. the, uh Anna, Anna Paquin and then the, uh, I think Anna Galina is her name who plays the same character as a child. They have a similar intensity and it, it feels like they're, they're passing a baton really well, but that's the exception and not the rule. I think a lot of yeah. times when you have, a young actress and then an older actress coming in you know it it it, it throws off the vibe a little mm. i'm definitely a fan of the two amy's choice i think that that's i like that about the 94 we'll talk about that later but but sure. i i really like that but yeah i mean okay. it's true it is a little bit risky yeah to, to do that but but anyway uh so <clears throat> the um the, this is pretty standard as far as your little women uh, story i mean they uh um they have your uh your you know your christmas scenes they have your uh your you know romances you've got Lori. i think that Lori is Lori and marmy i think are the two hardest characters to cast uh because yes. i especially think Lori is hard because you can't make him too charming because then you're mad at joe and then you but you can't make him too awkward and weird because then you, you, there's it's why is anybody finding weird. appealing yeah why is anybody <laughs> um well and, and, he, and he always has that arc where he has to kind of go from being like boyishly eager to uh, a, a bit of a sallow drunk to then a you know more kind of reformed uh, you know put together yeah. adult you know i think this movie sort of like we'll put a mustache on him and we'll know that he's now a grown-up you know <laughs> yeah i hate the lorry in this one i think he's terrible he's not my favorite <laughs> no but what's your overall thoughts on this one you know uh this is i think very much in the you can sort of you can spy the early talkiness about it you know there's the the, the camera is doesn't do a whole lot that's interesting um I think Hepburn's performance is occasionally, <laughs> excuse me, I think Hepburn's performance is occasionally a little broad, especially when she's sort of playing up the butcher aspects of Joe. So like, mm-hmm. she'll suddenly, her voice will get really deep. And I'm not even talking about like when she's doing the stage production. I mean, like when they're talking about like, you know, oh, the, I'm not afraid of him, you know, the neighbor yeah. in his carriage. And it's just sort of like, okay, t- take it down a little, you know, um, which is weird because there's actually at least one contemporary biographer who posits the notion that Catherine Hepburn might've been trans. Um, and, oh, but then you see her, you see her play these roles where she is required to be a, either a, a, a tomboy or like in Sylvia Scarlet, where she is literally an actress who is trying to pass herself off as a boy. And I think she kind of overplays it a little. And I don't, you know, we, one could read any number of things into that. Um, but, you know, I think for a lot of the performance, she's great, and, and she definitely sort of typifies the character's energy and her drive. 
Um, so, you know, I, I think for the most part, like the four sisters are, are, are pretty good. I just saw Gene Parker in this odd little Christmas movie that I'd never seen before called Beyond Tomorrow that's worth checking out. Uh, I think it's on Amazon mm -hmm. Prime. Um, but, you know, I, it's, I, I think it's made with a certain sense of uh, definitely affection for the material. And Sarah Mason, who wrote the screenplay, um, you know, did a lot of kind of legendary, like she wrote Meet Me in St. Louis, you know, she wrote the original version of Magnificent Obsession and, you mm -hmm. know, she did the first movie of Split Dallas. So she's a, she's a Hollywood trooper and uh, I think really kind of streamlines the action pretty well and uh, does it maybe pick all of the highlights of what we would expect in an adaptation, but I think for the most part it works. Yeah, I mean, I really like Catherine Hepburn in this. Like she, I, I feel like captures this sort of spirit of Joe probably mm -hmm. the most to me uh, as far as uh, just, I don't know. I just feel like she's that, that tomboyishness like, is the most kind of accurate to the character in the book. And mm -hmm. so I really like her in this role. And uh, I hate the Professor Bear. I think he's terrible. I think he's such a fuddy-duddy. And he's another hard one to cast, but he feels so much older than her. And I know he is older than her, but still, I just hate him. <laughs> he's terrible. Yeah, he does. Professor Bear doesn't get sexy in the movies until decades later. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's the worst. I'm like, oh no. Um, so the men in this one are all fails to me <laughs> right well you know cuker was sort of legendary as a women's director and it, it was not uncommon back then when you would have like a sort of strong female protagonist that they would intentionally cast men who were not gonna threaten them in any way you know so you look at like a lot of the mm. old betty davis or joan crawford movies and they're cast opposite these people like george brent or francho tone or you know zachary scott who were not like you know, occasionally they would face off with like Bogart or Clark Gable or something. But for the most part, they got these kind of second tier kind of wishy-washy dudes. And I think this movie sort of mm -hmm. pursues that avenue. Yeah. So the, we know the iconic scene in Little Woman, of course, the Christmas won't be Christmas without any presents. And, mm -hmm. uh, and then them giving their breakfast away. Uh, but do you think that it's a stretch to call Little Women a Christmas movie? I know it's the big topic. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm pretty liberal with my definition of what a Christmas movie is. You know, uh, people will ask you, oh, well, is this a Christmas movie or is that a Christmas movie? And I'll like, well, if you think so, sure, you know. Yeah. I've had people this year say, well, is Hustlers a Christmas movie because it has that big Christmas scene in it? And I'm like, if you want to think of it that way, sure. I mean, you know, yeah. I've I've christened a movie a Christmas movie for less, you know. Um, I think that it, it keeps coming back in these movies, you know, where you've got like the whole opening sequence where they're taking the breakfast to the to the Hummels. Um, you also have in a lot of them they, where they really do up the the gift of the piano, you know. Um, so I, I think yes, I, I feel like that it's enough of a touchstone in this movie, even if it's not constantly Christmas. The Christmas sequences within it are so important and so memorable and so moving that absolutely uh, I would rank it as such. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah i i think so i uh, i think it's enough to have uh have just even that those scenes are so iconic uh yeah. and of course their dad comes home during another christmas and right so it's enough for me <laughs> for sure <laughs> uh but yeah i mean this one it, it's uh it's pretty 
pretty standard as far as like i said you hit all the major beats and um yeah it's fun i like it and i like i just like katherine hepburn's energy in the role mm. i think she's really real fun it might be a little over top at some points but i i think that's the strength of this movie to me is is her sure her i do like it i like edna may oliver's uh, aunt march quite a bit too yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right well let's oh so where do you have this in your ranking oh uh i would say of the four that we're talking about i would put it third yeah same same with me um all right we're gonna talk about the 1949 version and i didn't realize until this viewing that this is the same script and the same music as the 1933 film oh no kidding yeah oh, at least, yeah which is it's kind of interesting they took it directly uh the same and i'm oh. curious to know your thoughts about this one because i've read different things online but i i think that this i think this one is fine but oh. i think that elizabeth taylor is so ridiculous in this movie <laughs> i mean playing this young girl she just looks bizarre really like especially next to margaret o'brien who's supposed to be older than her uh it just looks ridiculous to me well i mean it was 17 at the time so like she was womanly but she was still a teenager <laughs> yes. uh i i mean do they do they try and fake it to where like beth is now the youngest in this one or, it must be or... I, I don't think they ever yeah. say that but i think in this one and the 2019 one i mm -hmm. think they both seem like that beth is the youngest right this is a very mgm movie and like i like i love the mgm musicals of this period obviously like the, uh -huh. they are some of the greatest films ever made but a lot of their non-musicals of the 40s and 50s had a certain i don't know kind of a this sheen to them that was not always interesting you know like if you look at the the three musketeers with uh gene kelly where they've clearly spent more time making sure that everybody's outfit was a different shade so that it would look, pop in technicolor more than it being like a sort of rousing adventure film mm. this movie feels a little bit canned you know and i mean part of that is june allison just being june allison bless her heart like she just <laughs> you know I, that, that she she's a very much like you know a matter of taste kind of performer and there are films I like her in, but in this one, I just, I find her a little much. Um, Margaret O'Brien is great. Like she is, yeah. you know, she, she always talks about being like, that she and June Allison apparently used to compete to like, who was the best crier at MGM. Like that was their, uh, that was their wheelhouse. <laughs> and so, you know, she, she really pours it on as Beth and I think it works really well. Uh, I think Janet Lee is, is fine as Meg. Peter Lawford is an okay Laurie. Um, but overall, like this movie just sort of feels safe like this is the version that you would watch in english class and be like eh, maybe i'll read this book maybe i won't you know mm -hmm. uh but it's it, it is not without its appeal it definitely like you know i think one of the upsides of the mgm thing is like they put a lot into the production you know so it it, it has a certain sense of grandeur even though obviously the marches are mostly growing up in poverty so you don't want to glamorize that too much um yeah. but it's it's okay yeah take? i think that's fair i just i i, I just really struggle with it because a lot a lot of people are saying oh th we're saying online that elizabeth taylor's the highlight of this movie and i'm like she looks ridiculous she's going to grade <laughs> school she's like getting i don't know i just think she in particular 
and her styling and just everything it's just like what is going on <laughs> she's just she sticks out so much to be in this movie as just like it's also it, it's hard to watch elizabeth taylor in context because yeah yes I mean, like what 1949 audiences saw in her obviously like she had you know she had grown up in before their eyes you know she was one of those kind of child stars where you know she'd already done national velvet and all that yeah. stuff so i think people thought of her as somebody they were watching grow up and we're looking at it from a kind of post cleopatra post you know Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf filter where she's like Elizabeth Taylor, megastar, you know? And so I, I think that might throw off the the, the, the balance. Yeah. But I like Peter Lawford as Laurie. I think that works real well. And uh, he, he, to me, is one of the better Lauries if I had to pick. Sure. I, th- I think he's good. And I think that they do a good job in this one with like the theatrics. I think there's mm. fun, even if it is the same script. I don't know. I just... I like the way they stage Joe's little plays and some of that stuff is, is it, fun. Is it entirely the same script? Like, I don't remember, does the 33 version have them all going to the store? Because they really make a big scene out of that when yeah. they're 49. I mean, they do the Christmas shopping. I don't know. According to Wikipedia, is the script and music taken directly from the 1933. Hmm. There's another author on here. Uh, I said they credited the screenwriter, and and yeah. the the original was RKO, and this was MGM. So like, it's not like it, it was that they already owned it or whatever. So. But yeah, but they credit it's, Sarah Mason and Victor yeah. Herman as a okay. screenwriter. So yeah, there might be a few I a few different scenes. I mean, it's obviously the same book, so they're going to yeah. be very similar. Uh, but anyway, you know, you you never know about Wikipedia, but that's what they say. <laughs> Sure. uh but it's kind of interesting and, and so yeah this one i also really like the mary astor as marmy i feel like she's terrific yeah i feel like she gets that kind of nurturing perfect mother down the most um yeah. of of she's my favorite marmy it's it's interesting. I, I think she's a great actress because, like you, you know, in a movie like this or in in Meet Me in St. Louis, yeah, she is like totally like maternal and and caring, and you know, you just want to be enveloped by her. But then you can see her like in the Maltese Falcon, where she yeah. is like the, the 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 dame who's trouble, or in a movie like the Palm Beach Story, where she's hilarious and just yeah. like biting as this sort of like you know jaded socialite. So she could do everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, where do you have this one ranked? Uh, I, I got to say, this is my fourth of four. Yeah, <laughs> not same. that, not that it's not worth seeing, and not that there's not a lot of care put into it. But you know, I, I think as we get to the more modern versions, like the, then we really start kicking up the jams. Yeah, same with me. I I, I do think uh, uh, Rose Brazi is uh-huh. a a decent, I would say, Professor Bear. I think that the men are better in this than 1933. Oh, without question. No. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So but it's a low bar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fair. All right, we, now we are bumping up many decades. <laughs> yes. And we're going to talk about the 1994 version. Uh, so I, you know, I love this version. It came out when mm. I was in high school. Uh, and so it was definitely a favorite of mine. And uh, I think this version does so many things right. I love having two Amy's. I think that every version should do should do that because 
I, I'm, 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 even though I'm not like in love with Samantha Mathis's performance, I still just like, it just feels so weird to me to have a 20 year old actress playing a little girl. It's just too weird for me. And so I like it better. Uh, I I think it's, I think it's a good choice. Uh, I mean, when we get to the newest one, I I can sort of say why I don't think you always have to do it, but I, 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 and, and I think that, Samantha Mathis doesn't get as much of a chance to make an impression because the this is like so like the uh, the earlier versions you don't get a lot of adult Beth and 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 we'll talk about that when we get to the new one uh, and so she doesn't get to have the the moments that Kirsten Dunst does yeah but but they're both terrific and uh, no I I adore this version too um, I was very excited when it was coming out because like you know Winona Ryder was like at peak Winona Ryder yeah. at that point. And it's directed by Julian Armstrong, who directed uh, two of my very favorite movies, uh, My Brilliant Career and Starstruck um, in Australia. And, it, 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 you know, if you've seen, have you seen My Brilliant Career? I haven't. I'd like to because oh. uh, she's done so few movies. I wish that she would do more. I know. Yeah. I, she, she's, you know, been doing a lot of documentaries of late, but yeah, I, I think, you know, she was you know, a, a woman director trying to get stuff made in Hollywood and that's never an easy path. Um, but uh, yeah, in fact, you could probably do it for your uh, for your Criterion uh, uh, show. Mm. But anyway, so yeah. my, my very career is also about a young woman in uh, you know she's in rural Australia, but basically uh, kind of in, in the po- in the poorer side of a rich family, and she has this drive to be a writer, and uh, and and so the, the 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 two films I think dovetail into each other quite a bit. In fact, I think Armstrong at first didn't want to take the gig because she thought they were too similar, but was eventually kind of talked into it and, and, and came to understand that they were, there was a lot of difference in the stories. And then of course had to do a lot of research into the American civil war, which she didn't really know that much about because she's Australian. Um, mm, but true. she's a, she's a great director and a great director of actors. And so I think like you really see that with the ensemble here, like they're all just, you know, perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think the casting is so strong in this movie. The only one that I'm not in love with is Susan Sarandon. Really? Yeah. Because she's just not a, like a nurturing mothery kind of actress in my opinion. Like, I, I just guess I just, I don't know. I think that she's maybe a, I, I don't know. I just want someone, someone a little more ooey and gooey for the role of Marmy. Because <laughs> I don't know. I, I I think she is maybe a wiser Marmy, and so I think a lot of her her like advice to the, her daughters and stuff it come. You know, it's a little more deeper voice, and it comes mm-hmm. from a little more place of like experience. But I I don't know. I still get that vibe from her of of nurturing and of caring, mm-hmm. and and you know I I think you know uh, a lot of times with with movies we sort of forget like the toll that people's lives are taking on them. And so here's a woman who is like, her husband's off at war. They, the family has lost their fortune. She's got four daughters to raise. She's doing whatever kind of work outside of the house. She is, you know, doing like volunteer work for like the soldiers and that kind of thing. So like, I, I, I'm okay with a Marmy who maybe has like some dark circles under her eyes, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I don't she, hate it, but she's, no, I get it. I she's, get it. she's not my, uh, my favorite as far as, I don't know. I just uh, and the the funny thing that we used to my mother is a very very nurturing mm-hmm. woman. Like she would be a great marmy in. Yeah. <laughs> but we used to ask. We'd say, uh, 
I said, mom, why don't you have any great advice for us? Why don't you tell us? And she'd be like, I don't know. Just like, I have no idea. And and, and that's because that's so marmy. Like I'm like the perfect advice, the perfect speech to go with like this. uh, (laughs) Any given moment. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I'm sure she did have advice for us, but it was more, you know, obviously when your your kids are like, give us this great advice. You never give us great advice. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I love, I love, love, love Claire Danes as oh. Beth because nobody, I'll tell you, you know, we talked about uh, uh, Margaret O'Brien and June Allison. They did very good 1940s movie crying. But Claire Danes took movie crying to a whole new level. Like, she was not afraid to ugly cry. Yeah. And I remember seeing her do it, and like, whoa, she, that, that moment where she gets the piano just was devastating to me. Yeah. Yeah. And just, I think that this by far does the, uh, the Beth death uh, scenes the best. I mean, I'm just, de- I'm a mess. She, it's so, it's so good. She's, it's so, uh just uh now i get to go first you know that whole speech that she does oh right it's uh now i'm the one going ahead and oh it's so good she's she's really good in it i agree and uh and i love mary wicks oh god bless yeah a legend like I, i i love when you have like somebody from sort of golden age Hollywood who's still around and still, you know, <clears throat> capable. And so I'm really glad that in the final years of her life, like Mary Wicks got this and the sister act movies. And it's like, cause she's just one of those great character actresses going all the way back to the forties. Like mm-hmm. you see like one of her very first screen appearances is uh, now Voyager and totally holding her own with yeah. Betty Davis and like really funny and sassy and just all that yeah. great stuff. So yeah. Well, I, course- I, I, she's in white christmas too she is indeed yeah yeah <laughs> uh yeah i love her she's really funny and what do you think of christian bale i think he's a pretty good lorry actually because I, I think he's you know we talked about that he's he's got a sort of pivot between the sort of three the three phases of lorry i guess you know he has to be this kind of like why you know wide-eyed sort of boy ingenue practically he has to be crushed by uh, by by Joe's refusal to marry him and, and kind of be believable as sort of a wastrel for a while. And then he has to kind of bring it, to, put it together and like be the man for Amy. Um, and I think, you know, in as much as all the movies, except for the new one, and we'll get to that, I, I, I think kind of rush some of that uh, that trajectory. I think he's pretty good in all these spots. And I know that you know, for, for your generation, he's the Lori they grew up with and they will accept mm-hmm. no substitutes. But yeah. uh, well, how do you, how do you take Well, I, I do think it's one where you feel sort of more angry at Joe because he's so charming. You're like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> right. Which, which also comes up in, in my brilliant career because Sam Neill is like the rich guy who's like, I will let you write. I, I will support you, you know? And she's like, no, I got to do this myself. You know? Yeah. Plus, I do think that he and... Winona Ryder have a nice chemistry together totally. uh, so I would be interested in seeing them do an, another film together and I mm. I also think that uh that Eric Soltz is the best John Brooke mm, yes true mm-hmm. that's yeah. a that's an easy character to sort of like 
fade into the wallpaper. Yeah. Uh, so I like that. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I love the music in this movie. I think it's really good. Yeah. And oh, John, how, John Neville as, as Mr. Lawrence is really good too. Yeah. Uh, Thomas Newman score. I really mm-hmm. like, I just think it's, it's in the, so the way they inter. I can't uh, hear for the beauty of the earth without, huh at churches so i'm like oh, i go right back to little women so the way they integrate <laughs> integrate hymns and stuff like that is really effective and i also really like gabriel byrne in this mm-hmm. totally uh, uh as professor bear i think it makes sense so you're less mad at her for <laughs> yeah no this is where we really start sexing at professor bear it's like okay if you're, yeah. you're gonna say no to christian bale but the, the okay understood <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, and uh, I I think that uh, it's just beautifully made. It's it's just I love it. I love this movie. I think it's great. And so this is my favorite, my number one still. Uh, this was my number one until this year, but it okay. is now my number two. <laughs> okay, good. All right. Well, let's talk about this new one then. Yes. Uh, so normally I am not a fan of nonlinear storytelling. Normally I find it very distracting and it's just harder to get involved in the story. Like something like Man of Steel, for instance, I just sure. it really hurts it for me than a traditional narrative where it builds and, you know, up to our climactic event. But... I think this might be an ex- a rare exception to the rule for me because I think this movie by far of all the versions makes you buy the Amy Laurie dynamic. Yes. Thank you. This, yes. this, this version I think really gives the other sisters more real estate. Like everybody yeah. loves Joe and wants to follow Joe along, but they always kind of give the other three short. Sh- and here, yes, we get those, essential scenes that build the amy laurie relationship so that when it actually happens it's like yes this makes sense it's not mm-hmm. just this sort of weird contrivance that never in, 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 in as much as i love the other movies it never completely plays for me and it always yeah. feels just like like he's settling for the other one you know whereas this was like no no no, they really are the match that was supposed to be all along and i agree with you with the non-linear i think a lot of times when you start a story at the end or whatever, it's a, it's a sign of desperation or like they don't really know what else to do with it or it's like slapping a narration on. But because this is a story about a writer and this is a story about the evolution of a writer and of a writer discovering that it's her own past that is going to be her source material, I think having it told in flashback makes perfect sense um, because you begin with Joe in New York trying to be a writer and then it's in, the, in, in her reminiscences about her childhood about her sisters about her family life growing up that turn her into the author that she eventually becomes Mm -hmm. yeah and i i just think from the very beginning you see that chemistry between uh between florence Pugh and timothy chalamet so you're not surprised at at all and it just i don't know it just makes it because because really in reality louisa malcott was totally like trolling her fans like because it was it was originally two books uh and uh and everybody was writing her and saying when are you know laurie and and joe gonna get together and she was just like oh <laughs> and, and so she wrote this she's like i'm gonna make her fall in love with some you know old professor <laughs> and uh so there are a lot of people that 
that's a barrier for barrier for them in enjoying mm. little women is and i know our good friend amber that's uh, she's in that camp where she's oh is she yes <laughs> well I, I hope i hope this new version that makes it make sense for her because i mean think about it Lori is like he's rich he is a member of society amy totally understands that world knows how to be like publicly knows how to be his arm candy but like privately knows how to be his equal and to sort of help him maneuver through those people and those settings Joe yeah. is literary and, uh, you know, I think it makes sense for her to be with an academic, to be with somebody who can read yeah. her work and like, give her notes, which Bear does. He's the one person who tells her you're writing the wrong thing. Yeah. Um, so, like, especially in this version, I think those two pairings make total sense. And that's been a real dramatic sticking point, I think, for a lot of the adaptations, which is yeah. why I think this is the best one yeah and yeah she really needs somebody who's more of a bohemian and uh and as opposed to amy yes. <laughs> it doesn't really that and so i really liked emma watson in this uh movie i'm not, normally kind of mixed on her mm -hmm. uh and i thought i kind of admired her for taking she's a big star and mm -hmm. she to take an ensemble role uh in a movie like this i thought it was cool of her and yeah, and i thought she did a good job and i liked the fact that the writing for her uh i appreciated that it showed a different way to live your life as a woman and that that was equally valid yeah. you know that she i loved i just loved the line and it's in the trailer and everything but the uh just because my choices are my dreams are different than yours doesn't mean they're not important no ab absolutely and i think you know one of the things that you will find a lot of times in, in sort of feminist discourse or literature where they'll say look if you want to be a housewife be a housewife that's great but what, what we're about here is you having that choice and you deciding yeah. for yourself what it is you want to do with your life and i think that a lot of times in adaptations of this book because meg is the domestic one she is the one who chooses the home and the hearth and the children it's hard to make that dramatically interesting. And I think this movie, Greta Gerwig writes these scenes where she is torn between wanting, you know, wanting the material for the nice dress and wanting yeah. to, 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 to have more ease and comfort in her life, but at the same time understanding that she has sacrificed certain things to be with the man she loves, to have children with the man she loves, even if that means living, you know, at a, at a different economic level. And that's an interesting story and that's dramatic and that is, compelling and and uh, mm -hmm. it, it should be part of this story and so uh, again i think i think gerwig really goes out of her way to be like okay you know the joe trajectory and it's fascinating and we love her and we want to see all the things that happen to her but let's remember that meg has a story and beth has a story and amy has a story uh you know even beth i think gets more heft here um as a as a person who lives life in a certain way that isn't the way that joe lives it and and I, I love those scenes like, you know, when they go to the beach and when they're, you know, when, when, when Joe is taking care of her, uh, that she, is, she gets to be more than just like the two-dimensional, let's all be sad because perfect Beth has died, you know? Yeah, I guess so. I, Beth is the one thing, that, I mean, I think they definitely try to make her the youngest one in this one. And yes. I, I didn't think that the, uh, that the 
Beth death scene uh, that it, I thought it was kind of brushed over uh, compared to certainly compared to Claire Danes. And <laughs> but I think Gerwig is that kind of filmmaker though, where, where she's not going to like, she's not going to, the, the strings are not going to come welling yeah. up, you know, and it's not going to be a big, oh, you know, I, I think she's much more matter of fact and, and, and like, this is a thing that happens and yes, it's sad. And how does it affect Fair. the other characters? But, you know, she's not going to sort of give it that kind of hazy golden glow. Uh, another great score, by the way, in this one, I think from, yeah. from Alexander Desplat. He did a great job. And also like not using music at certain moments, I thought was very effective. Yeah. And uh, so, and I also loved the costumes by mm. uh, Jacqueline Duran, uh, who of course did Pride and Prejudice uh, oh. and uh, many other, films i thought they the costumes were really nice were really pretty yeah and, and i think i think you have to do with little women is that like they can't all be pretty like you have to differentiate like you know if, if, if the, the march sisters are struggling there those outfits have to be a little more threadbare a little more you know like pa patched yeah. together so that when we you know when <clears throat> meg goes to the fancy dress ball or right when, you know when amy is in paris without march like we appreciate the distinction uh of, of you know of the, what those outfits look like mm -hmm. uh yeah i agree i love sister ronan as joe i thought mm. she was wonderful and uh i i mean i've always been a huge fan of hers uh, i you know, i love brooklyn yeah uh it's one of my one of my favorites of the last uh and few years and i thought that she managed to get that dynamic of being independent without being irritating Yes, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Again, I, th I think that's, uh, I just, I, looking at it through 2019 eyes, when I look at Hepburn's performance, as great an actress as she is, I really think she's overselling that aspect a little much, mm -hmm. but you know, it's, I can see that. it's very subjective. <laughs> yeah, because we had had actually two versions of Little Women in 2018. Right. So I was wanting a new good version <laughs> the problem i had with the pbs version in 2018 was i felt like they turned all four women into joe they oh, were all out, kind of outspoken and all independent and all and that there was their way of sort of modernizing it mm -hmm. and i didn't i didn't like that and i mean angela lansbury is great but uh but i i just i was disappointed by it uh and then the uh 2018 modernized version which i'm Ooh. open to i'm not a traditionalist uh with adaptations sure I, I was open to it but i thought they made joe so insufferable in that movie <laughs> yeah, i hated I, her i i didn't see the uh i didn't see the the great performances one or whatever the, the yeah the, the bbc pbs one but yeah i did see the the leah thompson one and yeah that i I think, I mean, the tricky thing about modernizing something like this is so much of the story is, as much as there's a universality to it and as much as there's a, an ongoing relevance to it, <clears throat> you know, the, the, the specifics of, like, if you're going to have, uh, like, Amy burn uh, Joe's novel out of spite, you know, yeah. then you're thinking, like, she doesn't have a backup. <laughs> right. Yeah, know, that's true. There's, there's not a hard drive with this on it somewhere. <laughs> you know, things yeah. like the, the little little details like that. And yeah, I, I think overall it was sort of like well intentioned, but just it there were it made a lot of mistakes along. Yeah. I it was one of my least favorite of the whole year last year. I mm. I just I I hated why is Meg making out with some guy in the in the school and <laughs> and they made them homeschoolers for some reason, which I'm fine with, but like 
I don't know. It was just some weird choices. And, and I, I just, it was the only version of this story that I've ever seen where I wanted Amy to burn that book. I just hated <laughs> Joe. I thought she was the worst. <laughs> so I know she was just so mean about her paintings being worthless. And I'm like, come yeah, on. She, she, she was, it was a little much yeah. all around. There's another one that's sort of contemporary that I haven't seen called, it's like the March sisters at Christmas time or something. Uh, that, is that the lifetime that? one? Oh, is it? Okay. I don't, well, I don't know. I haven't seen it, so I don't know, but I've heard about it. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, what do you think of Timothy Chalamet as Laurie? I think he's quite good. I, I'm constantly surprised by him as an actor. Like, I don't know if you saw The King on Netflix this year, but like, I, I like at, at first he feels miscast, but then you realize that's the whole point is the idea of like this guy who was not really, you know, meant who doesn't seem like he should be the king because he's this sort of like mm -hmm. drunk and gad about it's it's basically the henry the fourth story mm -hmm. um but he he then but he sort of uses that to his advantage and, and and allows people to underestimate him and then kind of takes advantage of that and so uh I, i'm i'm constantly surprised by him i always think he's interesting um he is uh, you know i i think maybe he doesn't there is something that's always a little wispy about him in a way and yeah that's the best roles incorporate that and use that and so when he be when he sort of reaches the end of his trajectory i do like how jealous he is of the existence of professor bear even though he's like married to amy now when he finds out that there's a man interested in joe he's like what huh who who's this what hmm? <laughs> you know like he's very like you know he needs all the details and he's got to sign off on this guy basically yeah. Uh, but no, I, I think he's good. Um, Florence Pugh, my favorite Amy. Mm -hmm. I, I agree with you about it. It's, it, 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 that it does work to cast younger actors and older actors, but I think she's great. And, mm -hmm. and I think that she really, it's easy to reduce Amy to her worst habits, but I, I felt like I got a, a more full picture of this person who is trying to like, you know, wants to live her life a certain way, wants to meet certain standards. Yeah. And then as she gets older, comes to realize like, what of that works and she can hang on to and what was ridiculous yeah and she's just had an incredible year yeah a, unbelievable i mean fighting with her family was such a pleasant surprise mm -hmm. this and then uh the midsummer which i didn't see but i've heard oh she's great you, you should it's it's intense <laughs> but she's very good in it yeah mm -hmm. yeah and uh so uh, and i like i said i think the nonlinear storyline really helps a lot with Absolutely. her character and uh and i do think timothy timothy chalamet like his hair is ridiculous rollicking around the beach i'm like what is going on but <laughs> um but yeah they have a very young professor bear in this yes. uh yes. louis gorel is his yeah. name louis, louis gorel great you know kind of legendary french actor he's been around for a while he was in uh Bernardo Bertolucci's *The Dreamers*, which was like you know, 15 oh. years ago now, but like, but still very young looking. And and his father was a, a famous French filmmaker, so he's just sort of oh. like kind of been knocking around for a while. But but yeah, great great actor. It's funny actually. Dave and I just did a, a a podcast last night where we were talking about art house Christmas movies, and he's in a movie called *Dans Paris* that you might want to check out at some oh. point. But it's an interesting uh, holiday tale. Oh, I look forward to that podcast. Uh, but yeah, and there's some other. Uh, well-known actors in the movie you have uh you have bob odenkirk as yes. mr march <laughs> fearing chris cooper as yeah. mr. lawrence he's great 
Yeah. How did, how did you like Laura Dern's Marmy? See, I think that she's better than Susan Sarandon. Like she has okay. that modern sort of feel, mm-hmm. but there's more warmth there for me. Fair enough. So I, I liked her. Do you like her? I do. Yeah, yeah. I think she's terrific. And it, it's such a contrast. I don't know if you've watched Marriage Story yet, but, you know, very different character from Laura Dern. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, as much as I like Susan Sarandon, I will say probably more warmth coming out yeah. of Laura Dern, for sure. And of course that, uh, oh, what's her face playing Aunt March? She's good too. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it was kind of, uh, I, I mean, I know that Meryl Streep is 70 years old, but I feel like this is the first time she's played like an, a legitimately old person. That was yeah, a little well, jarring for me at first. It's it's funny how, like, you know, I think the way that women, certainly women who are on screen, age now is so different. Because, like, like, did you watch Feud on FX? The the thing about the the Joan Crawford Betty Davis. I heard about it, but I didn't. I didn't get. To, I didn't watch it. Well, it's a, it was your your favorite, Susan Sarandon and Jessica <laughs> Lange playing uh, Betty Davis and, and Joan Crawford, and they were actually like. 15 to 20 years older than the people they were playing but you know 65 for a a working Hollywood actress now is 50 for the mid 60s you know (laughs) and so yeah I think you know between perhaps uh, a a medical technique but also just diet and exercise and and that kind of thing you know working actresses tend to look younger longer uh so i'm sure to play this part like they had to kind of slap some it's not like oh meryl streep takes off her foundation and that's what she looks like i'm sure they had to put you know prosthetics on her to make her look that Mm -hmm. age yeah it was kind of it was just surprising to me for something like whoa i don't know (laughs) everybody used to die at 35 you know it was a constantly evolving process yeah yeah i i i really i really enjoyed the film like i said for me the beth wasn't wasn't my favorite but it wasn't I, I like agree. awful i didn't hate yeah, it she's fine she doesn't stand out the way claire danes does yeah uh so uh let we were gonna do our oh so we, you have this as number one yeah i do right i have it in number two but i have a ton of nostalgia for 1994 i've only seen this one one time so it's right. a little unfair but uh we'll you know so we'll see what kind of where it lands we'll circle back on the next remake and yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> sounds good uh, all right so before we end we were just going to do a little sort of dream casting of all these mm. movies what would be our, our our cast and so who would you cast as marmy of all the marmies uh probably probably uh mary astor actually yeah same <laughs> yeah same with me yeah. uh so who would you cast as joe uh, i'm gonna go winona Ryder. Um, I think that she strikes a good balance of the sort of obstreperousness of her, like the the sort of like loud inappropriateness of Joe, but also the sort of sensitive writerly side. Um, As much as I I think, with the possible exception of June Allison, all of them have been terrific. That's the one I'd go with. Yeah. So I'm going to go with Catherine Hepburn. Uh, It's my only 1933 one in my cast, uh, but I don't know. I just... I uh, I just I really like her kind of take on the role. Uh, so then for Meg, who would you pick? Um, hmm, it's hard to say because like I think Trini Alvarado is really great in the '94 version, but yeah. I think that Emma Watson got more to do than mm. any of the uh, any of the Megs. So I probably would have to go with Emma Watson just because we got more of a taste of what she could do with the character because they gave the character more depth. Yeah. I mean, if this thing is a hit, I could actually see them doing 
another another one and doing the the you know little little, little men, men kind of the so their stories because there's two other books right and uh, so that might be joe's boys and little and little men hmm. and that might be kind of fun yeah. to see where they could go but um but yeah same with me i pick emma watson as my meg hmm. uh so beth I bet we've had the same one for this. Oh, yeah, it's got to be Claire Danes. Claire Danes, no one, yeah. No one cries like Claire Danes. Yeah. So, uh, and then Amy, if my dream world, I would pick Kirsten Dunst slash Florence Pugh. <laughs> that would be my dream world. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> yeah. That's actually, I had not considered that, but yeah, okay. I'll sign on for that. Okay, good. <laughs> um, okay, so who would be your Aunt March? Uh, you know, no shade on Meryl or Mary Wicks, who are two of my favorites, but uh, the, my one 1933 choice here is going to be Edna Mae Oliver, because mm. whoa, what a battle axe. <laughs> yeah, she's really good. That's true. I will pick Mary Wicks good. for Aunt March. And then finally, who would be your Lori? Ah, you know, uh, I think Chalamet's great, but I'm going to go Christian Bale. I think, yeah. I, think he said, I think he gets all the, he gets the phases right. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, with Timothy Chalamet. Ooh, okay. In there, and and it's partly because of that nonlinear storytelling that I think mm. his choices just make more sense. And uh, it's you get that chemistry with both uh, with both Joe and Amy, uh, which they never do. So there we go. We did it. <laughs> so y'all listening will have to let us know once you get to see the new little women what do you think of it do you like it not like it would love to hear your thoughts it is my it is my favorite movie of 2019 oh really wow yeah if you don't like it i won't take it personally (laughs) it's 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 up there for me as well i really enjoyed it and i look forward to seeing it again uh, and I also got to see it with my sister who oh great yeah she lives in in England so she was in town oh. and so that that ended up being a really great day oh, uh, for me uh, so anyway let us know what you think and thank you so much Alonzo for coming on I really appreciate it always really a pleasure fun. thanks for having me I appreciate it so where can people uh find you on your various podcasts and other things that you do uh if you want to follow me on twitter at a duralde a-d-u-r-a-l-d-e that's usually where i post uh links to pretty much everything but you can read my reviews at therap.com t-h-e-w-r-a-p um i am co-host of three podcasts linoleum knife uh which i do with my husband dave white which we've been doing for a little over nine years now um who shot you on the maximum fun network and um Breakfast All Day, which reunites me with the team from the former What the Flick. And uh, if you have not picked it up yet, it's, there's still time to grab for this holiday season uh, my, my holiday movie book, uh, Have Yourself a Movie Little Christmas. Yes, and we'll have all the link for all of that in the description section. So make sure you're following Alonzo. And thanks again. I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Rachel. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> I'd like to thank Alonzo for coming on the podcast. It was so much fun uh, to get to uh, reconnect with him. And he's such great support to all that we do. We really appreciate it. So please follow the podcast at Homeworkies Podcast and Homeworkies Pod, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube. If you are listening on iTunes, please give us your ratings and reviews. And if you're listening on YouTube, please give us a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel. We sure appreciate that as well. And consider becoming a patron of the channel. Uh, that helps us out so much. We so appreciate it. We also have our merch store uh, that we'll have a link
link for in the description section. And you can follow me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. So make sure you check that out. And uh, thanks again. Merry Christmas, you guys. And we'll talk again.